Our study brings us to Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. This is a continuation from chapter 3, 16. 4, 1 to 3, the day of judgment and our role on that day of judgment. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But as for you, but, but for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. And you will tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. From last, from the last study in chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, especially verses 17 and 18, we saw that the Lord is preparing His own possession, the redeemed, the saved, the believers, the elect, for that day of judgment. And for us, we will be spared as a man or a father spares his son who serves him, who obeys him. So we are compared to obedient sons. Then in verse 18, he reminded us that we, meantime, are to distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. That discernment is necessary. That wisdom and knowledge that comes from the word is necessary to discern between the righteous and the wicked. Furthermore, the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. We serve God instead of mammon. Matthew 6:24. We serve God instead of serving our sin. We are no longer slaves of sin. He who commits sin is the slave of sin. John 8:34. And we're no longer slaves of the devil, nor of the power of death that the devil has to terrify us upon death and the consequences of our sin. We are delivered from that slavery too. Slavery to fear of death. Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. We no longer serve ourselves, but we serve the one who died and rose again on our behalf. We are serving him. So then, now in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Verse 1, how is it and what is it that will happen when the day of judgment occurs? Notice in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, the day is coming. And again, he says, the day that is coming. And in verse 3, the day which I am preparing. It's very clear that Malachi the prophet is making reference to the day of judgment, that day of judgment that is awaiting. And in verse 1, he says, on that day of judgment, it's going to burn like a furnace. It's going to burn like a furnace, like an oven, like a fire, like a fire pit. The day is going to burn up the people. Well, which people? Verse 1, all the arrogant and every evildoer. All the arrogant. 3.13, he said, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Those who oppose the truth are arrogant or proud, boastful. That's who they are. They hold God and the things of God and the people of God in contempt. They are conceited people who hold God and the, those associated with him in contempt. So they are arrogant and it causes them to do what? Do evil. Every evil doer. The people they complained in 2.17 the wicked people in 2.17 of Malachi, they complained in this way. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, how have we wearied him? In that you say, 
Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or, where is the God of justice? When the people complain like this, they grumble against God, they're saying that God considers evildoers good. God delights in evildoers. And there is no God of justice, so all evildoers are good in the sight of the Lord. Nothing will happen to them. So we may as well be like all the evildoers. However, the correction is made in chapter 4 in our passage because he says, every evildoer will be chaff. The evildoers will be chaff. The useless part of the wheat crop that cannot be eaten or used for anything, that part will be burned up, he says, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze. The chaff of the wheat are burned up. It's not used at all. And that's the wicked. The wicked will experience eternal fire on the day of judgment because it's going to set them ablaze. God has the fire, the fury of the fire of his wrath that he will inflict on all unrepentant evildoers. And he's going to treat them like useless, worthless chaff. And he will destroy them so much that it says, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. They won't even have any roots left, any branches left. The whole worthless tree will be completely consumed by the fire of God's judgment. His fiery judgment will completely wipe them out and make them like ashes. Verse 3 says, You will tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing. The wicked will be like ashes on which our feet will tread. Verse 2, But for you who fear my name, the Son of of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Those who fear the name of the Lord. This is what he called them to do since chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 6. And throughout this book, as late as 3.16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. So 4.2, for those who fear the name of the Lord, there is a reward. There is redemption. This comes from the Son of Righteousness. Who or what is this Son of Righteousness? S-U-N. We may render it Righteous Son, S-U-N. Righteous Son. Is he saying that the Son above in outer space, the Son that lights up the world, is he talking about that Son is a righteous Son? Or is he using the Son in the heavens as a metaphor of someone else. It's a metaphor. Just like he, the son is called the shepherd, he's called the door of the sheep, he's called the light of the world, correct? He's called different names. Here he's called the son. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. We are sickly. We have a mortal illness. We have a terminal disease. We must be healed of it. And who heals us? The sun does. With its healing radiance, healing beams, healing those who have this spiritual and mortal, terminal, eternal sickness. And when that occurs, what will happen to the redeemed? The redeemed are now compared to calves who have been kept in a stall. Calves kept in the stall and then released. 
when they are in the stall, they have walls and they have restrictions. They cannot roam, they cannot run, they cannot even walk, at least not very far, depending on how large the stall is, they cannot walk. They have to stand stationary. But that is unnatural. It's unnatural for young animals, even for children, to stay stationary. So when they have room to roam, such as they go outdoors, in this case, when the calves are released from the stall, they skip about, they go forth, they wander here and there, they graze, correct? That's what calves do in the field. Well, that's the way we will be in a good sense. We will be excited. We will be able to roam. We will be able to feed. We will have plenty of space and pasture and we'll be excited to see it all. We're going to see the green grass and run to it. But between here and there, what will we do? To reach the green pasture, verse three says, you will tread down the wicked. So as we run, as we stomp, as we tread on the ground, who will be below us? We're going to be stepping on, treading on, pouncing on the wicked who will be below us. So the feet, our feet, like calves, we will tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. The wicked will be ashes, We're going to step on them, pounce on them with our strong feet. And the ashes cannot do anything. Do ashes ever do anything when humans or animals step on ashes? No. They can't run. They can't hide. They're useless. They have nowhere to go. That's the way it'll be on the Day of Judgment. Yes, on the Day of Judgment, that's the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. As he said in 3.17, And they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves me. In 3.17, the day of judgment is for our benefit, because we will be declared to be in the presence of everyone God's own possession and God's own children. But the wicked, they are going to be destroyed or punished. They will be judged on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts who has armies, angelic and human, and nature, natural armies, all at his disposal to destroy the wicked. God will do it. that the day of judgment is coming. Let's go to Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 1. Zephaniah chapter 1. The prophet declares, 1, 14 to 18. Near is the great day of the Lord. Near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day. A day of trouble and distress. A day of destruction and desolation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of dark uh, clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities. Against the high corner towers. And I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind, because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood will be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath. And all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. For he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3 verse 10. Matthew 3:10 to 12. 
And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you in water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not even fit to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When will Jesus do that? This is Jesus being described by John the Baptist. He will do it like that on the day of judgment. Speaking of Jesus, we have to correct our false ideas, wrong assumptions on who Jesus is. Jesus is a very wrathful Jesus. He will not relent. He will not repent. He will not hold back any of his fiery wrath. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 to 10. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. On that day, the day of the Lord, the day he returns, that's when he will inflict his flaming fire on all the wicked. All the wicked, no matter how powerful they are today, Revelation 6, Revelation 6, 16 and 17. Their power doesn't matter. Christ will overcome. 6, 16 of Revelation. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? The great day of their wrath and the wrath that's mentioned in verse 16 is the wrath of the Lamb. It is the wrath of God the Father and it is also the wrath of the Lamb. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. nineteen eleven to 21. More on the fiery wrath of Christ against all the arrogant and evildoers. Revelation 19.11 And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God in order that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses 
and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat upon the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat upon the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Who is it that is killing everybody here? Christ. It says in verse 21, the mouth of him who sat upon the horse. Who's sitting upon the horse? Verse 11, somebody sitting on the white horse. It says in verse 13, his name is called the word of God. Verse 16, king of kings and lord of lords. It is Christ. And though skeptics and another unbelievers say that the book of Revelation is hyperbole, it's imagery, it's fantastic, it's not really describing reality or future reality. Well, 2 Thessalonians 1 is Jesus also. And that is a letter of Paul. It's didactic. It's not apocalyptic. It is not metaphorical. There's no imagery and symbolism there. It's a didactic, straightforward letter explaining exactly that Jesus will come in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So that's the day that's coming and Christ will be reigning and ruling. Let's delve into some more of these details. Burning like a furnace. Burning like a furnace. Chapter 3 of Malachi, 3, 2 to 3. Christ, the coming of Christ is also compared to fire. Malachi 3, 2. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. He is like a refiner's fire. He will have fiery work to do on the day of judgment. Psalm 21. Psalm 21, verse 9. Psalm 21, verse 9. This psalm, in a couple of places, in the Targum of the Old Testament book of Psalms, in the Targum, Targum is the word for the Aramaic translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. In the Targum, in verse 1, 21.1, it says, King Messiah. It's rendering, and usually it's a, literal translation with a little bit of clarification here or there, such as in 21.1, it says, King Messiah. O Lord, in your strength, the King Messiah will be glad. And in your salvation, how greatly he, King Messiah, will rejoice. Uh, Psalm 21 verse 1 says, King Messiah. Also in 21 verse 7, 21 verse 7, for the king Messiah trusts in the Lord and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. All right, so if this psalm is a psalm of Christ, our king, King Messiah, look now at verse 9, or we'll start at 8, verse 8. We just read verse 7. So what does it say about what King Messiah will do? Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them 
as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will devour them. Fire will devour them. Swallow them up in his wrath. You will make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. Also in the Targum, for verse 9, it says, for the fire, it says, the inferno of Gehenna. They take it to mean that this fire is the fire of hell, hellfire, eternal fire. That's why they say the inferno of Gehenna. In the New Testament, Gehenna is rendered hell often in the book of Matthew. That's where we find it most often. In the book of Matthew, when we read, makes him twice as much a son of hell as, as themselves, Matthew 23, 15. That's one example. And elsewhere, Gehenna is hell. So here, it is Christ who is going to destroy all the wicked in the eternal fire of hell. Which is also clearly in the New Testament. In the New Testament, who is the one who is going to punish the wicked in hell? It's Christ. For example, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, verse 41. 25, 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Christ is saying to the goats on his left hand, the accursed ones here, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire. Verse 46, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So one or the other, and the wicked get fire. We said also from verse 1 that they are deserving of it because they are arrogant and evildoers. Arrogant evildoers. Romans 2. Romans 2. Romans 2, verses 1 to 11. Romans 2, 1 to 11. Therefore, you are without excuse, every man of you who passes judgment. For in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. And do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment upon those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to every man who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Right there in verses 9 and 10, he's speaking of evildoers and those who do good. Verses 9 and 10. And are they proud people? Are they arrogant people? Yes. They're proud in verses 1 to 3. They are proud in their hypocrisy. 
And in verse 8, they are selfish people, selfishly ambitious. Only proud people or arrogant people are like that, characterized that way. And they seek right now, verse 10, for glory, honor, and peace. But we are not seeking for glory, honor, and peace now. We are seeking it for the life to come. Also, the Apostle Paul uses this same phrase, the day. Like Malachi, look at verse 16. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. The day, likely at least taken from the book of Malachi, as Malachi likes to refer to it as the day. That's the day of judgment that awaits all the arrogant and every evildoer. What about this idea of them being like chaff and also not leaving them root nor branch? Them being like chaff. The book of Obadiah. Obadiah chapter 18. Obadiah 18. Then the house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau will be as stubble, and they will set them on fire and consume them, so that there will be no survivor of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. The house of Esau, representative of evildoers, arrogant evildoers, they will be as stubble on the day of judgment. Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6, verses 7 and 8. Hebrews 6, and verses 7 and 8. For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, receives the blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Thorns, thistles, worthless, cursed, ends up being burned leaving them neither root nor branch. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 26 to 27, 10, 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. And Hebrews twelve twenty-eight to 29. Hebrews twelve twenty-eight. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. He'll wipe out every remnant of chaff, stubble, everything. All will be consumed. Verse 2 of Malachi. For those who fear the name of the Lord. To fear God does not mean to once in a while give him some due respect. It doesn't mean merely being courteous and polite. To fear God involves trembling before him. Yes, even New Testament fear of God includes trembling before him when we think of his name. When we think of his name, 
We shouldn't be taking it flippantly. It should not be casual. It should be serious when we think of the name of the Lord. Our salvation depends on it. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out, not work for, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Second Corinthians 7, verse 1. Second Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. We were just there in verses 26 and 27. When he concludes that paragraph, he says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And also chapter 12. 12. In chapter 12, we read verses 28 to 29. But if we go back earlier, he's telling us that the coming judgment is worse than the judgment Moses experienced, Moses and the people. Hebrews 12, 18. Here's where he discusses Moses. 18 to 21, Hebrews 12, 18. For you have not come to a mountain that may be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word should be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. That's at Sinai. That was on the earth. And what did all of that signify? It signified the character of God, including the wrath of God, and preparing the people for the day of judgment. This is the way the day of judgment will be. You must repent. The comparison is then made in verses 22 to 29. And remember, we concluded in verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. That's the kind of fear men should have of God. Malachi 4.2 Son of righteousness. He is prophesying of the work of Christ. Malachi is a prophet prophesying the work of Christ. First, let's notice a few Old Testament references in reference to God being the Son, S U N. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 23, 2 Samuel. 23, verses 3 and 4. This is David, and he actually is speaking of Christ. David is speaking of Christ, saying that Christ is speaking to him by the Spirit of the Lord. Chapter 23, let's actually begin at verse 1. 23, 1 to 4. Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares, and the man who was raised on high declares, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet 
psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. Who's the rock? Who's the God? He who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God, is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, when the tender grass springs out of the earth through sunshine after rain. This one, he says, is like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 26. Chapter 30 and verse 26. And the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun will be seven times brighter like the light of seven days. On the day, the Lord binds up the fracture of his people and heals the bruise he has inflicted. On the day that God heals, he's going to heal with his bright light. Isaiah chapter 60 Isaiah 60, verse 1. 60, 1, 2, 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. And nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your Rising, the rising light. He's talking about the rising light of the sun, the glorious splendor of the sun rising in the daytime or in the morning time. Now, some New Testament references that confirm this doctrine to us. We find firstly in the book of Matthew, Matthew 17. Matthew 17, at the Mount of Transfiguration. When Christ was suddenly transfigured and his three disciples were there and saw it, this is how it's described, 17.2. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his garments became as white as light. Face was like the sun. Luke chapter 1. Luke 1 This is Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. In Luke 1.67, in this prophecy, Zacharias is said to be filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So he's not saying anything erroneous here. Nothing is wrong here. Look now at verse 78, verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us. He says here, the sunrise from on high shall visit us. Why does the New American Standard Bible capitalize the S of sun? Because they know Zacharias is talking about Christ. And then verse 79, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. We continue more evidence that the son of righteousness is Christ. We go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four, or excuse me, chapter five, verse 14. Ephesians 5, 14. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. Likely a quote from Isaiah chapter 60. And 
2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Well, who is this? Who is this or what is this? Christ. Such as Revelation Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21, 22 to 23. Or 20, 21, chapter 21, verses 22, and let's read to, let's read to the end. 22, 20 to 27. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 22, verse 5. Chapter 22, verse 5. And there shall, be, and there shall no longer be any night, and they shall not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. 22.16, Revelation 22.16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. So, Christ is this son of righteousness. His righteousness reckoned to our account for us to be having peace with God. That's Romans chapter 4. How about the aspect of healing? Healing that Christ has. It says that in Exodus 15 verse 26, that God, he's, it says, the Lord is your healer. Exodus fifteen twenty six, the Lord is your healer. Isaiah 25, Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 9. 25, 6 to 9. And the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53 four to six, the Lord our healer. This is clearly the Lord Jesus Christ. 53, four. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed 
for our iniquities. The chastening for our peace fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. God heals us. Then, this idea that we shall be compared like calves from the stall. Habakkuk, in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, he compares us, he compares us to deer. Habakkuk 3, 19. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds' feet, and makes me walk on my high places for the choir director on my string instruments. Habakkuk 3.19, God makes our feet like hinds' feet, like the feet of deer. And deer, they are able to skip and run very fast, to sprint to avoid being captured. That's the way we are compared. But when we are compared that way, he further describes it in verse 3, Malachi 4.3, treading down the wicked and them being ashes under the soles of our feet. Treading down the, the wicked. Isaiah 26, verse 6. Isaiah 26, verse 6. Let's read 1 to 6. He's describing our song of victory, or relating our song of victory. Verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up walls and ramparts for security. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the one that remains faithful. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. For he has brought low those who dwell on high, the unassailable city. He lays it low, he lays it low to the ground, he casts it to the dust. The foot will trample it. Whose foot? The feet of the afflicted. The steps of the helpless. We here are called afflicted and helpless. But on that day, we are going to be stepping on the enemy because they're going to be cast to the dust of the ground. They're going to be scattered on the ground, and we're going to trample over them, tread over them. Further, we find in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 8. Micah 5, verse 8. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations, among many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which, if he passes through, tramples down and tears, and there is none to escape. We, we will come back, actually, to this passage for our next point. All right, so if we are like this, we are treading down the wicked. What about this ashes under the soles of our feet? Does that phraseology sound familiar? Does it not sound like what we read in the New Testament? Like Matthew 10, Matthew 10, verse 14. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 14. And whoever does not receive you 
nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city. Shake off the dust of your feet. Shake off the dust of your feet. Well, if we were trampling on ashes or dust or chaff, whatever it might be, will the chaff and the dust remain on our feet? A little bit will remain, but usually it's going to stay behind. So he's saying here, we're going to shake off the dust of our feet, whatever might be on it. Shake it off. And what does that symbolize? Verse 15, Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So it's symbolizing, like Malachi chapter 4, our conquest on the day of judgment against our adversaries, shaking the dust off our feet. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. 1350 to 52. Acts 13:50. But the Jews aroused the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Here, Paul and Barnabas, Mr. Encouragement is Barnabas, right? He shook off the dust of his feet, like Paul did, against these persecutors as a symbol of the judgment to come. Okay, now some references. We'll close with these references. References on the fact that both Old Testament and New Testament give us plenty of verses that teach a doctrine that nobody or hardly anybody considers. That we saints are going to judge the world. Jesus and us, Jesus and all the saints will condemn the world. They will not be saved. And the the picture of Jesus that they portray is a false picture. The picture that they portray of us is a false picture. The Jesus they worship is the Jesus they would hate if he lived today. They would not, the, the Jesus of the Bible is a Jesus they would hate today. The Jesus they worship is a false Jesus. How so? Remember we read Isaiah 26, verse 6? The foot or the feet of the helpless will trample the wicked in the dust. Okay, now let's go and see in the book of Micah. Micah has a couple of references. The book of Micah, Micah chapter 4, verses 11 to 15. Micah 4, 11. And now many nations have been assembled against you who say, let her be polluted and let our eyes gloat over Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord and they do not understand his purpose for he has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, daughter of Zion, for your horn I will make iron and your hoofs I will make bronze that you may pulverize many peoples that you may devote to the Lord their unjust gain and their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. There he's telling us to arise and thresh, to use iron and bronze and pulverize them, the peoples. Chapter 5, Micah, Micah 5, 7 to 9. One verse we've already read, Micah 5, 7. Then the remnant of Jacob will be among many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on vegetation, which do not wait for man or delay for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob, 
He's talking about the redeemed. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations and among many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which, if he passes through, tramples down and tears, and there is none to rescue. Your hand will be lifted up against your adversaries, and all your enemies will be cut off. All your enemies cut off. Book of Obadiah. The book of Obadiah. Obadiah 18. Then the house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, but the house of Esau will be as stubble, and they will set them on fire and consume them, so that there will be no survivor of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. And verse 21. The deliverers will ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. The deliverers are the saints. We are going to ascend and we're going to judge Esau, the wicked. Zephaniah chapter 2. Zephaniah chapter 2. Therefore, as I, uh, verse 9, 2 9. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab will be like Sodom and the sons of Ammon like Gomorrah, a place possessed by nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The remnant of my people will plunder them and the remainder of my nation will inherit them. He's describing what we shall do. The book of Psalms, Psalm 149. Psalm 149. 149, 5 to 9. Psalm 149, verse 5. Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is an honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. The book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11, verse 19. Proverbs, uh, no, 11.29. 11.29. He who troubles his own house will inherit wind, and the foolish will be servant to the wise-hearted. When will the foolish be our servants or slaves? On the day of judgment. Not right now they're not, but they will on the day of judgment. Also 14.19, Proverbs 14.19. The evil will bow down before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. What happens at the gate of the city in the Old Testament? That's the place of the court. That's the place of judgment. So here, the wicked will bow down before us at the gates of our city, the heavenly Jerusalem, on the day of judgment. They're going to be held accountable for their evil deeds. Uh, Let's see one more place in the Old Testament and then a few in the New. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 36. 1 Samuel 2, 36. And it shall come about that everyone who is left in your house shall come and bow down to him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread. And say, 
Please assign me to one of the priest's offices so that I may eat a piece of bread. New Testament, Romans 16.20. Romans 16.20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. John 5.45. John 5.45. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. 1 Corinthians 6, 2-3. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Or do you not know that the righteous will... Excuse me. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more matters of this life? Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2, verse 26. 26 to 27. Revelation 2, 26. And he who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds... Until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. We will have authority over the nations, we will rule them with a rod of iron, and we will have the ability to break the piece, the Vessels of pottery into pieces, into a thousand pieces, and be driven away by the wind. That's what we will do. Also, three nine Revelation three nine says, "Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet." And to know that I have loved you. He will make them come and bow down at our feet. Malachi is describing all of these things in this short passage. The wicked must repent and we must tell them to repent. If they don't repent... We, they, not they, they might have the victory now, but on the day of judgment, we will have the victory. Right now we are last, but on the day of judgment, we shall be first. The first shall be last and the last first. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.